Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Dan Wiederer. I mean, the dude is a tone setter, and that's undeniable, and I don't even think Ryan Poles and anyone in that front office would deny that. On-air contributor for 670 The Score. I'm really excited to be part of the family. I can't wait to do it all year. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer. Flat-footed is what happens here at Hell's Hall way too often. Co-host of the Take the North podcast. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With our own David Hall. David, that's a, a lengthy description on the high-powered microscope that Matt Eberflus uses to judge his football team on a daily basis. And I think this is more than just a bunch of letters. Dan Wiederer with Mullane Haw on 670 The School. Bear down. Let's go. Mark Grody, Tom Thayer filling in for Mully and Haw this morning on The Score. And Dan Wiederer of the Chicago Tribune joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Weedsy, what's going on, man? Grody, I love the hustle you're showing here during the holiday season. Every uh, show I go on, you're filling in, and I love it. <laughs> that's, that's very true. We just talked the other day, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> finally, somebody shows a little bit of appreciation for what old Grody does around here at the score. So thank you very much for that, Dan. Uh, Justin Fields will speak today out at Hallis Hall as he always – this is Wednesday, right? Today's Wednesday? Today is Wednesday? Yeah, is, yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. just making sure. If, if today is indeed Wednesday – Justin Fields will speak. We know that Matt Eberflus was adamant about the fact that, no doubt about it, he will play in the next two games. What do you want to see out of Justin Fields in the next two games, and what, what, do, you want to, what do you want to know from him today? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to know how his foot's doing, because that's the only reason that I would even remotely consider the outside possibility of, of shutting him down or giving him a little time to rest, is if he's compromised with whatever happened when his foot got stepped on late in the fourth quarter against the Bills. If he's good to go physically, what I want to see these last two weeks is a young quarterback continuing to gain experience, sort of understanding what he sees from opposing defenses. We talked the other day about how this Lions defense is not good, and it gives you an opportunity as a young quarterback to have success to sort of recapture some of the momentum that was there in November that's been lost here in the month of December, if you're being honest about it. And so you want to see a quarterback taking steps forward with, the, with what he understands pre-snap, with what his decision-making is and, and, and what he can do to try to enliven 
the passing game. We know his gifts as a runner. Well, now the next step on the, on the stair climb up uh, to becoming a, a top-level quarterback is becoming a proficient passer. So let's see some of that over these last two games. Hey, Dan, so on Twitter you said going back and looking at the Bills game, and if you are watching the Bears objectively, it's stunningly obvious how steep their climb back towards relevance is. So not mentioning the name Justin Fields, what is two steps in the, these final two games to kick off the offseason that would be relevant steps to kind of define where this team is at maybe in a positive direction? Yeah, Tom, I, I think we're still just trying to figure out who are guys that can be part of your core two seasons from now. And I think there's you know probably some varying degrees of what people define as, as returning to relevance for this team. And for me, it's, it's building a team – that can be in uh, in playoff contention annually for three, four years. It's not just, hey, can we pop up in an in-the-hunt graphic in December next year and feel good about success? It's how do we build a team that can have success and sustain success? And part of that is identifying young players who can be part of your core. I think we've seen promising strides forward from the, the two defensive backs, the rookies, Gordon and, and, and Brisker. I think last week you got a, a flash from Bayless Jones that was at least enough to slow down the you know tsunami of criticism that he has justifiably taken throughout the year. And so you want for me, it's show me some young players that are developing. Show me some guys who are are taking steps forward, whether that's as a pass rusher, whether that's a, as a guy that can block in the offensive line for you. Who are those guys? That would be step one. And, and and step two would just be being competitive in two division games, understanding as as you know how important it is to to be successful in your division and and understand how you stack up to to make your moves accordingly. Dan, look into the future. Can you put uh, Jack Sanborn into that role and have him be your middle linebacker? Do you think that you have to look to improve it, or are you encouraged by what you've seen out of his his chance to play? Yeah, no, I would say probably both. I think when you are a three and twelve football team that's you know in last place in an average division by four games and possibly five after after this weekend, you have to look to upgrade every position. And, and we've had this discussion previously with Braxton Jones, who's had a really nice rookie season. But if you can upgrade your left tackle position, you're not going to say, oh, we're set there. You know, and it's the same with Jack Sanborn. If you find a guy that's at your price, either in the draft or in free agency, that you say, that guy can be a, a, a bigger playmaker for us there, then let's go pursue that. Let's pursue every avenue we can to improve this football team. That said, what Jack Sanborn did with his opportunity starting in uh, in November was was impressive, and, and it gives you wiggle room, and, and that's great for Ryan Poles to go into an offseason and say, hey, with all these other needs we need to address, that doesn't have to be on our front burner. If we can address it, great. If not, we feel really comfortable with what this kid showed as a, a guy who can be dependable and assignment sound and make plays for us within the scheme of our defense, and then you just kind of make your moves from there. But but again, at, at 3-12, and 12, you're not in a position to turn down possible upgrades at any position on the roster. This segment with Dan Wiederer is brought to you by Old National Bank, where relationships and results matter. Get old. Mark Grody, Tom Thayer, in for Mully and Haw today. I was listening to the the Nick Morrow interview in full yesterday, and there were a lot of questions to Nick Morrow, the Bears linebacker, about Jaquan Brisker. Several questions about him. Is is he the brightest spot in terms of a revelation on this Bears defense this year? What do you think his ceiling is like? Yeah, no, I think he's got a high ceiling, Grody, and I think part of the reason he has a high ceiling is because of the passion he brings every single day he's in that building. This is a kid who loves the game, 
loves pursuing improvement, has obvious football kind of uh, feel, right, and, and, and an ability to make plays and be a, a guy that you feel, you know, both when you're playing against them and when, when you're watching the video. Uh, and so to see kind of, you know, he, he's had some, some mistakes, which you expect with rookies, and, and you're going to have to just make sure that he understands what those are. And there have been a couple in run fits recently where you go, man, you really got to make sure you make that play. Um, but, man, this kid from, from day one since he got here has been just a guy that – it has the, the mentality that Ryan Poles and, and Matty Berflus are trying to build around, and now you just try to foster the improvement and, and keep him moving forward. And I think it's also worth noting that his relationship with Eddie Jackson has been incredibly uh, productive in terms of their you know bond together and Eddie's willingness to bring him along, I think, has made a big difference in his growth. Yeah, when you think about the running game, who's more important to keep here, Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery? Great question. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you look at the numbers in this scheme with this offense that Luke Getty's been running, you see more productivity out of Khalil Herbert just in terms of the, the, the yards per carry average and, and some of the things he shows. This is another one of those pieces to the puzzle that is going to be interesting for the general manager to, to, to work through here in the coming months because obviously Khalil Herbert's under contract. David Montgomery is going into free agency, and you have to decide – what your value on him is, you know, both in terms of, of years that you want to sign him for and price you want to sign him for. And if someone else offers him more than your value, I don't think you need to get out over your skis and try to take a huge swing at it. I love David Montgomery and, and what he means to the locker room, what he means in terms of, uh, of setting a tone. Um, but like, this is a position where you can make do with, with guys on, on lesser valued contracts that, that can get you, equal or greater success and so right now given given contract status i think it's it's uh, you know khalil herbert and then you have to figure out who you want to have alongside khalil herbert next year whether it's david montgomery or someone you either get in free agency or the draft dan obviously we all know what the offseason looks like for the bears in terms of what is going to be available to them money wise and draft pick wise and everybody and i know we've talked about this but the the big jump that Bears fans are expecting. We were talking about this earlier. I think it was one of our pick six questions. It, it was, can the Bears rise back to the top of, of the division? Oh, it was um, Florio. Florio. <laughs> Florio who said that he thinks that the Bears have a chance to get back to the top of the division next year. And and Tom's theory is that maybe he's a little bit of pandering because, you know, he, he's, on the, yeah. he, he's on the Bears the station here. Uh, but do you think they can make a dent in that division or are the other teams all still considerably better than the bears? Well, obviously the other teams are considerably better than them right now. And all of them have chance to make improvements. I don't think what we're seeing from the green Bay pack season is what we're going to see from them next year. If Aaron Rodgers is back, I think they will make adjustments to get themselves improved. I think that the lions have shown obvious growth within this calendar year of, of saying, okay, you know, they've hit a little bit of an on-ramp to, to a window that could open for them to be successful if they can go answer their quarterback position in a long-term fashion. And how do you do that in, in this offseason? Again, if the Bears lose Sunday, Grody, they'll be in last place in their division by five games. Five games back of third place, Jesus. right? And so, so that's ground to make up. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. But what I've been trying to kind of preach here in the last month and a half is there's a huge difference between possible and probable. And so, like, when you say, you know, teams all the time go from 12 lost seasons to, you know, being in the playoffs the next year. Well, yeah, but three times as many teams wind up with, you know, double-digit losses again the next year because it's a really difficult league, and it's really hard to, to, to make that climb without adding 
pieces. It can't just be it happens so it will happen. You've got to go add difference-making players that can help you win football games. There's been this other kind of misnomer that, oh, it's, it's, it's you know, super telling that the Bears have been competitive throughout the season. Well, Brad Biggs in, in his mailbag today gives you a, a stat that the Bears have lost four games this year by 17 points or more, which is their most three-score losses since 2014. So it doesn't jive with reality that, oh, they've, they've been more competitive, so now they're on the, the doorstep of busting through and, and being a team that wins nine or ten games. It's going to be a steep climb. They're going to have to do a lot of things right. They're going to have to have developmental breakthroughs from a lot of key players, including, including the guy who wears the number one jersey. And then we'll see where it goes. But, it, it, you know, I just I, I hope people acknowledge and understand how difficult it is to make those jumps. And it's not just, a, you know, some magic dust that you sprinkle on in February and March and all of a sudden you're good again. Hey, Dan, <clears throat> excuse me. When you look at the big picture of the NFL overall, were you surprised at Nathaniel Hackett in his first year getting fired by Denver after they brought in a quarter-billion-dollar quarterback like Russell Wilson, made all the changes that they did and how dangerous that was for the future of the football team? But as you look around the NFL and things that surprise you and things that don't surprise you anymore, were you surprised by that? <laughs> well, so there's two answers to this question. Was I surprised this week that it happened? No, because – uh, if you've watched the Denver Broncos this year, you realize how far off the tracks this was. If you had told me uh, in, in May or, or even August or, or in the first week of September that Russell Wilson was going to be a terrible NFL quarterback and Nathaniel Hackett was going to lose his job after 15 games, I would have had to drug test it because there was <laughs> nothing going into this season that would have uh, indicated that there was going to be a fall this steep and, and this dramatic. And it was just uh, really, really hard to watch at times how – unprepared the Broncos were both from a, a standpoint of just being able to navigate game situations. And it started in, in week one and they had those, those primetime games earlier in the year where all of their warts were, were visible for everyone to, to look at. And you go, man, they've got to improve this in a hurry. And they didn't. And then you go out on, on Christmas day and you get absolutely, you know, throttled by a struggling Rams team with a quarterback who showed up in their building like 12 days earlier and, and you've got all the makings for, a, a, you know, a, a reboot there. And, and we'll see what they do. I, I, I would hate to be a, a Broncos beat writer thinking you had your coaching search in the rearview mirror last January and now you've got to restart it all over again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing for that, Fran. I mean, that's, that, I almost feel bad for the guy. because, And I'm sure, like, every coach finds their way in the NFL again. He'll probably be a coordinator and maybe get another crack at being a head coach, but that's just straight up embarrassing. Well, I, I think the $4 million a year for the next three <laughs> years will get him by, you know... Counteract that, yeah, that pain, yeah. that embarrassment just a little bit right. when he's living in his mansion and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Hey, speaking of hard to watch, man, how about how about Nick Foles and the Indianapolis Colts the other night? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like 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 Dan Dan watching him in the pocket and and he was the same way with the Bears like he just has no interest in in escaping and eluding and he just well, kind of crumbles the, the, yeah yeah he doesn't have the agility to do it zero and, and 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 some of those throws that you know they're they're like good decisions made you know three quarters of a second too late and with not enough zip on the football and then the next thing you know the other team has it in their hands and they're going the other way with it it was. uh it was ugly, uh, and, and it's, you know, it, it's, I think it maybe it had been Mark Kodash earlier in the week who was kind of bullet-pointing the, the fascinating odyssey of Nick Foles through his career with, with all the ups and downs and another up and then another big down and then another down after that. It's been a wild quarterback odyssey for him, and there's probably a, a really cool documentary to, to be made when his playing days are done about 
uh, just how unique and, and, and odd his career journey has been. Well, Florio, another thing Florio said yesterday was that he doesn't. He thought that that would be Nick Foles' last start in the NFL. Of course. Uh, uh, really? That, no way. Nick Foles will start again. He always pops up. If there's another GM that signs him. No, not as a starter. I'm saying it, it, because of injury. He, he'll be a second string or third string quarterback and eventually start no. another game. What? No way. He's Why? done. If there's another GM that signs Nick Foles to come in here and be your backup, then he should be fired. Really? He's that bad? Yes. Really? So you, you, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, you know, the, he doesn't want to move outside the pocket because uh, he doesn't want to take a big hit. He's more in control of the type of abuse he's going to take if he stays inside the pocket and lets guys wrap him up and then he just caves to the ground. And then Dan mentioned when you're making the decision three quarters of a second too late with slow ball speed, it's going to result in an interception or a tip pass. So, um, you know, it's it's like Chase Chase being out in Chase Daniel, uh, yeah, yeah, being out with the Chargers and yeah. now Nick being here. We, we've had some. We, we get to see. Hey, this is Chicago. This is the Bears. We get to see every single backup quarterback. We get to see the entire quarterback. Well, depth if the chart. NFL wanted to talk about fairness, they should make these guys move to the side and bring up some young quarterbacks who that have some development ability about them and allow them to get some important reps to see what they can turn into. While we're talking about. Ooh, I almost just lost a coffee right there. Yep, yep, little spill. I knew this was coming, and it's it landed on my hat here. We're okay. We're all right. We're we're all right here in the studio. Everything is fine. Dan, what do you think the Bears will do for a backup quarterback next year? I think that we, we are eligible to. Oh man, I'm getting stared down by the boss right now. Um, I think we are eligible to ask that question right now. Do you think the Bears backup will be through the draft next year? No, I don't, because I think, I, I don't know, it's actually a really interesting question, and it's going to be interesting to try to pick the brain of, of Ryan Poles, whether that's a question that gets asked at the, the season-ending press conference or waits for, for February when we're at the Combine with him. It'll be interesting to know what kind of support system he wants around Justin at this stage of his development. I think maybe Justin still would benefit from having eyes in that room from a, a veteran that's been around the league for a long time and can be very beneficial in that backup role of helping him prepare each week and, and, and getting him, uh, you know, clues and tips and, and things that he can look at with opposing defenses. I think we may be, you know, a, a year or so away from them kind of flipping the, the, the page and being like, okay, he's, he's good. Now we just got to find somebody that can be a, a reliable backup for us. Uh, in other ways, right? Not not in terms of a developmental oversight type of guy. So I think maybe you're you're looking at another veteran. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what direction they go. Uh, as you know, that position is very important in Bears history. Yeah. Uh, we got a Nathan Peterman sighting. We see them all. We see them all. And you know, like I was looking back, and you know what's what's fascinating. I think it was it 2017 when Sanchez was here, and and he never uh, he never got to play, right? Like so, he was one of those rare quarterbacks he was here as a third stringer that season but but was on the roster and then never saw the field here so the the mark sanchez bears era is is one of those ones that's a little bit odd in the in the history of what we're talking about especially since he was like a kind of a media darling wasn't he wasn't he kind of i didn't cover them then sanchez but, yeah wasn't he kind of a go-to well guy? he was a media darling because he wasn't a playing darling <laughs> right, it's very you know you get in the that. line of the you know you get mark sanchez you get joe flacco you get nick Foles, you get all these guys that are waiting in line sure. hoping they'd never have to put a helmet on during the season <laughs> chase daniel like you know said. and yeah. uh so. Well, you know, actually, I, I think when Sanchez signed here, I think he signed under the impression that he was going to be Mike Glennon's backup and that there was going to be an easy open door for him to get <laughs> some playing experience that season. And then Ryan uh, Pace 
surprised everyone, you know, a month later and, and took Mitch Trubisky. And then it was like, hey, Mark, you're, you're QB3 and we've got you here as a mentor. And so, you know, do your best adjusting to this, this new normal for yourself. And, and that was kind of his existence here. Last time the Bears played the Lions, Dan, they they lost by one point, uh, thirty-one to thirty at Soldier Field. That was a game in which Fields ran for one hundred and forty-seven yards, had a couple of touchdowns, but threw a crucial pick-six to Jeff Okuda. Bears blew a fourteen-point lead in the, in the the fourth quarter, and you know Eberflus has been talking about finishing all all. Yeah. After, I think the last eight weeks, we could probably go back and find out about finishing if they don't finish in these last two games what will that do to the the Bears psyche if anything well I listen I don't uh, I don't want to overstate the psychological impact of them of them losing these games I don't think it's you know something super dramatic but I do think there's a a ton of benefit and Tom could speak to this of, of a team that's trying to go on a journey towards sustained success of having success and, and understanding how to build on success and learning, as Matty Berflew said on Monday, how to execute in game-defining moments. That's what decides good teams from bad teams in this league. It, it, it's the teams that have both the playmakers, which is an important piece of this, the talent and the playmaking ability, and the fortitude in those late-game situations to rise up and meet those moments. And so uh, the Bears didn't check that box this year. They just didn't. The only close game that they won really was that, that game against the Texans when the defense basically gave them possession inside the 20-yard line against the worst team in the National Football League to kick a walk-off field goal by Cairo Santos. And so the box is just unchecked if you don't, if you don't learn to finish one of these games down the stretch. And it's another box that you're just going to have to check next year, and we'll see when they're able to check it. The other thing, Grody, interesting about this matchup, because I know you were there when you asked this question, uh, I guess it's a month and a half ago now. Equinemius St. Brown and Amonra St. Brown had a, a, a pretty big cash bet with <laughs> right. a better record. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a, a pregame ceremony there at Ford Field where Equinemius has to bring him the cash or if they just <laughs> exchange it over, over Venmo and, and, and do it that way. $1,000 for the season. <laughs> yes. Hey, Dan, one, one quick question for you. With Eberflus's message yesterday at the podium talking about teaching this team how to finish, you think of the – Minnesota game, the Washington game, the Giants game, and even the Detroit game when they didn't call the pass interference call. Do you think we would be talking about a different narrative at this point of what the team needs to learn if they would have finished those games and ended up winning them instead of leaving the ball on the turf and losing them? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Because because then you're checking the box in those moments. And I think sometimes it gets lost in this city because we, we're so singularly focused on Justin Fields that saying this team hasn't learned how to finish yet is a, a condemnation of the quarterback. It's not that. It's what we just talked about. There's a lot of things that go in to being a winning football team in winning moments. One of those is, is high-level quarterback play, and then you need the supporting cast around you to capitalize on opportunities that are there to be capitalized on, and they haven't done that this year. Had they been able to get over the hump, had they had better players to not fumble in Minnesota or, or potentially catch a ball, against the Dolphins on fourth down and continue a drive and see where that goes, then, then sure, we might be talking about something different. But that's kind of the, the, the history of the Bears is like the coulda, woulda, shoulda. And for the last, you know, 25, 30 years, there's a lot of that and not enough, hey, we went up, met the moment, and became a football team that, that people didn't want to face down the stretch of games. I mean, like the, the signature win of this century happens in Arizona, right, in 2006 in, in October when they don't score an offensive touchdown but had enough in their, their, their magic tank to go and, and win a game coming from 20 points down in the second half to upset the Cardinals. That's a team that had 
an understanding of how deep you have to dig sometimes to pull out those wins. Hopefully over time, whatever group and, and core group of players that are here can learn how to do that and, and figure out what that is. And then, uh, and then you march forward with, with higher uh, expectations. Dan, thanks for your time as always. Will there be a, a recording and releasing of the Take the North podcast today, or when is the next release of it? Yeah, so the next release will be Friday morning, uh, and we will record that Thursday evening, and then that will be the next episode available. So thanks for bringing that up. Thanks, man. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys.